Hello, and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss trailers, movies, TV shows, and all things pop culture. Today, we'll be reviewing Marvel's newest hit, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. My name is Emmett, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and master of the incline treadmill, Ivan. I think spokesperson is probably the more, the, 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 the better moniker for me there. Like, I okay. feel like that, that... So you haven't achieved the rank of master? No, not not yet, because you know what? I can't go past 15 minutes on maximum incline. Um, so once <laughs> I surpass that, <laughs> just lower maybe. the speed, my guy. I can't. I have to be at, at least four. If I go lower than that, I whoa, feel like it's you're doing four while walking? Yeah. No, you're the master, my guy. You're master, <laughs> dude. Dude, my my legs. <laughs> I'm doing three on incline. That's crazy, man. Yeah, no, someone told me that if you do maximum incline at like at least at least two and a half to three and a half, it's it's it does more for you calorie burning wise than like jogging for 30 minutes. I didn't really believe it, but at least according to my Apple Watch, that's true. There it is. It's proven. (laughs) (laughs) I still run, though. I still run just for the record. It's just on on those lazy days. Right. It doesn't feel as like, uh, you know, consuming, I guess. I know about those lazy days. We are in them. We're in this cold movie season. (laughs) Snuggle up, get a blanket, throw on a movie. You know what? Next time, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna go for the record. I'm gonna try to go as long as I can while watching movie on highest incline. (laughs) Not the best screen experience, though. I'm I'm relying on an iPhone here, but still. Maybe start with like a, a sitcom. You know, maybe a YouTube video instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is going to be difficult today. Didn't, like, YouTube crash or something? Did it? Is that why I can't load my uh, yeah. Game of Thrones clips on <laughs> YouTube? <laughs> Your pre-pod Game of Thrones pe- prep stuff? Don't tell me you don't do that. Like, I, 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 of I'm course I do. That all the time. I love, Yeah, I love a good Thrones clip when they replace swords with lightsabers. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Hey man, what you uh, besides lightsabers and thrones? What you got on your wall this week? It's been well, a couple um, weeks since we've talked. I am glad you asked, sir. Um, <laughs> I have one thing I, I, that got me a little bit psyched uh, over the last. Th- this is old news by now, but um, I saw this uh, collaboration between uh, Studio Ghibli and Lucasfilm, which uh, I think they put out their first um, little project on Disney Plus. It's a little Grogu animation. But I'm not sure if you if you've ever seen any of this stuff. But like, are are you familiar with Studio Ghibli, like the, the the anime studio in Japan? I'm not hip to it. It's like um, characters like Tortoro. Um, I think there was a, I think Ponyo was also uh, something that they released. Uh, they're, they're basically like one of the more iconic Japanese animation studios. But uh, I guess they were they were noticeably left off of the collaboration. Uh, that other anime companies did with Lucasfilm last year with Visions. And I don't know if you've gotten a chance to check out those, but I thought some of them were very interesting. You know, I'm not a big anime fan, but I have liked a lot of the narrative stuff that Studio Ghibli's done. So I'm kind of curious to see what they're going to do. Wow, you're not an anime fan? I feel like you're a fan of everything. I'm a Dragon Ball Z fan. I feel like that's the closest I can get to, to claiming I'm a hardcore anime fan. That guy from Fortnite? Yeah, you know, those two characters from Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a blimp of him in the Macy's Day Parade, and I that's how I announced it. 
that that was the guy from Fortnite. It's the guy from Fortnite. <laughs> you sneak over to the kids' table and you'd be like, "Hey guys, <laughs> did you check out the Fortnite floats?" I swear, every everybody that had a float this year was at some point somewhere in in, in the Fortnite map over the last couple seasons. Well, that's a cool uh cool collab. Did you check out the Grogu thing, or is that not out yet? I checked it out. It's like a I, I want to say it's like a like a two minutes short or something like that it's really short oh very short it is very very short. really very short <laughs> there's no dialogue or anything but i'm a huge fan of the art style uh for that company um they've done a lot of stuff that i feel like is uh is very much ingrained into like the pop culture zeitgeist of things especially when it comes to anime i feel like most people whenever they want to get into anime they'll they'll look at one of the one of the movies produced by them I'm I'm interested to see where it goes because I feel like this is a, it's a really cool mash to do sci-fi fantasy into like the anime style because for you know I, I don't I don't know if you've noticed <laughs> but over the last decade or so I feel like anime has really blown up here in the in the United States in a way that I haven't seen here but I did see back in Mexico so it's been you know I, I don't know it's just to me it it feels like a very forward-thinking uh, strategy on Lucasfilm's part uh, yeah I've certainly heard about a lot more shows recently than I think I've ever heard about. So it, I, it's cool to see these things get, you know, their own followings. I'm I'm, I'm going to be curious to see if they do just shorts or to do the long form thing, but we'll see where it goes. I mean, so it's what, star Wars. Like it's always going to get fans. So I think this is like another way to get more fans or different fans. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice little gateway. What's on your wall this week. I'm an, uh, another show. I'm late to, 2000 and late but uh you ever catch mythic quest i've seen it i have i've not i've not uh dived into it no i'm not dialed into it no no it's mid-season third season of it and i didn't realize that they were still churning out episodes i thought like they were at a season break so now i'm like i gotta wait on new episodes but it's super funny it's like um it's like if rob mclaney uh, directed Silicon Valley. It's that kind of humor. It's in the tech world, like it's game designers. It's really fun, and it's got like it's got a pretty good cast in it too. How many? Uh, so you said there's three seasons to it. Is it like an Apple Plus original? I think it is. Unless he's, I know he's like big on FX, so maybe it's like a dual release. Uh, that I'm not sure. I've just been watching it on Apple Plus. Sponsor of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Big thanks to Apple Plus. <laughs> Use code behind the fourth wall for five percent off. I'm a I'm a big Apple fan. I uh, I just bought four of them at the grocery store today. Oh, I love apples too. Apples yeah. on pie. What's your favorite apple? The one that's turned over and like I forget what you call that. Like <laughs> the apple turnovers. There you go. That. <laughs> no, what's your favorite apple, man? Oh my like like an actual apple. Um um the green ones. I don't know what you I know there's a proper Granny Smith. The Granny Smiths, there you go. Okay. That's all right. You're that's not like a fan that, of those? That's like what you get when you're like eight years old because it's all sugar. <laughs> wait, wait, the the green sour like apples? That's all are... sugar, yeah. That's super sweet. Kids love that. I'm, Why a, do I... I'm a honey crisp guy okay <laughs> that sounds like it should be all sugar 
it should be, but it's it's probably the healthiest for you. Really? No, it probably isn't, but oh, it's delicious. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm like buying into everything you're telling me right now with the apple stats. I'm like, damn, this guy came in loaded with all the all the things you should know about apple stats here. Let me let me hit you up with a quick uh, wiki opening line. The texture of a Honeycrisp is no accident. Its cells have been bred to be bigger than cells of other apples, making the fruit feel juicier and crunchier than its competitors. Wow. <laughs> wow. That You know, if Morgan Freeman had given me that same spiel right now, I would be <laughs> on Amazon Fresh right now ordering me the biggest... Oh, buying from Amazon? <laughs> I mean, come on. We're Apple Plus guys on this pod. We don't, we don't talk about Prime. <laughs> All right, that's My enough. Bad. Let's move on. Let's get into this <laughs> Wakanada. We're all, we're a couple weeks removed from this movie. How many times have you seen it? I'll be honest. <laughs> I've only seen this movie four times. Whoa, is something wrong? <laughs> I'm short two watches. I'm going to watch it again this weekend with uh, with my friend Sandra. So that'll be... Friend uh, of the pod. Number five. Yeah, friend, friend of the pod. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I don't... I, I, Honestly, like I was planning to watch it a couple more times, but part of me is also kind of feeling a little theater fatigue. You? No way. The guy with three different memberships. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have so much variation. This is this is what happens when you have so much privilege that you have th- this many choices. Yeah. How are you? Fa- I mean, I get it, but how are you fatigued? I feel like there's not a lot of movies out. Have you been? Just banging out like Oscar contentions or well, something. Let me let me pop out my AMC stubs A list <laughs> real quick. All right. Well, while you look that up, I'm gonna hit you with this big number. I've seen it once. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> right, impressive. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just feel like these movies. I'm not looking to go back and see again when I'm thinking it's gonna be on on uh, Disney Plus in a couple weeks, right? You know what? I I get you there. I totally get you. I feel like the stuff that I normally go back to watch multiple times are these big event, like these big tentpole films, right? But um, according to my AMC Stubbs A list, like I've watched The Menu, I've watched She Said, I've watched <laughs> Ticket to Paradise, I've watched. Um, you went to Ticket to Paradise. Listen, okay, it was a slow day. Okay? <laughs> what happened to this guy? <laughs> I watched Till. Somebody help this man out. I watched Glass Onion. Um, I've watched Bones and All. I even saw, okay. You're movied um, out. I'm movied out just from hearing your movies. I know. <laughs> I get it now. Okay, so four. You're looking for a fifth, maybe a six. Um, I think I'll probably stop at fifth. Are you just honest. doing that because that's expected of you, or are you truly enjoying it? And I think we're getting into general thoughts here. Yeah, yeah. So why don't I kick us off on general thoughts <laughs> as I tell you how how much I've enjoyed this movie? Um, yeah, yeah. No, I I I enjoyed it. I feel like um, it's not like No Way Home levels of enjoyment, but there's a little bit of bias in there for me because like Spider Man's like my all time favorite superhero. I feel like well, it's always neck and neck between him and Batman. But regardless, um, I I did really like this movie. I felt like it it was a lot better than I expected it to be. Now, mind you, my expectations were a little bit lower than I would have wanted them to be, only because of the latest trend of uh, kind of Marvel fatigue. I, I feel like, right, more so than superhero fatigue. I feel like Marvel's just been kind of um, 
they're not disastrously bad, but they're definitely like there's a there's a sense of mediocrity that's been looming over the franchise over the last couple of projects. So, um, but I, I that being said, I really enjoyed this movie. I feel like it was the best way to pay tribute to Chadwick Boseman, while also setting up things for the future and and really kind of giving the ensemble cast in general their the time to kind of shine and. Uh, and guide us through a further delving and exploration of this world of Wakanda. Um, I thought this was, you know, arguably um, better than the than the first movie. And I I say that you know because I'm still kind of torn on it. I feel like the first one was really really good, but uh, there's a couple of things, and I'm gonna get into it later when we get into the heavier meteor parts of this. But uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was really good. And there's elements of this movie that really gripped me in particular that I wasn't really ready for, um, per se. But and then there's a, there's a cultural element to this too that I feel like um, kind of gave me a, a, a new view of this movie. If that makes sense, I'll get to it eventually. But yeah, I mean, like I, I had overall, I had a really good time, and obviously, right, because I went back three more times <laughs> after the first time to to watch it, so. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty good. It, I'm mixed feelings here. I don't. It was to me, it wasn't better than the first, and I wouldn't really say it was close. I still walked out of there super excited. Like my first text to you was like, it, "It's an A plus movie," but uh, it was also like in the moment. It's still like I don't know because there's 30 of these things now. It's still in the teens, probably at best. Um, which I don't think makes it a bad movie, which I it, because that's like the that's kind of the trouble with you start comparing it to other things and saying that this is good or means you have to say something else is bad, uh, which is unfortunate. But yeah, I, I this is like classic Phase Four to me though, and we'll we'll talk about like the endings here, um, but I. I yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised with like how they were able to write this story and make it feel good um, and like not feel forced, which is something that is hard to achieve because they obviously had a major obstacle to overcome there. And I thought they wrote around it pretty well. Yeah, I feel like this movie came in with a little bit of a handicap and like they lost their main star um, for real world circumstances, right? The, the tragic passing of Chadwick. But also, I think that once you do that, especially for a franchise that blew up like that in the way that it did, it's hard to follow it up. I think to any degree. Yeah. I think you and I were both like in that, you know, that camp of recast Chadwick, not that like yeah. we're you know petitioning for it, but like, I think we were both okay if they did that. And now after seeing this, I don't see how, how they could have recasted him. So I don't know. Maybe it was like, Maybe they they did themselves a disservice by making such a good movie that like it shows because uh, that was really coming from like the studio side being like don't recast him right yeah yeah because I think the the family of, of Chadwick was in favor of recasting the role but I think the way that um, and, and studio... so was Ryan Coogler right no so Ryan didn't want to recast him at all apparently oh really yeah um. Which I think that that's what the the decision was in his hands is from from what I can understand. 
uh, that's what it kind of feels like. That it basically was left up to him, and mm. he thought it would be. It's a little too soon to recast the role. That I mean, I agree to that to an extent, but I also feel like you know, and we talked about this before, but like, and, and I talked about this with Sandra too, to the extent that like I thought there were so many stories to tell with that character. But yeah, I, I, after seeing this movie, I feel like there's a nice little compromise at the end there with kind of getting the recasting, but also you know respecting what's come before. And I'm surprised they didn't use the multiverse to try and <laughs> force that in, you know. Mm. Yeah, that would like there's a lot of different ways they could have gone, but I think they absolutely chose a you know a really good way uh, about it. While we're talking about Chadwick, why don't we just get into it and talk about the beginning of this movie with him coming down with a undisclosed illness that we don't even see him, and it's just like a really rushed sequence. I thought that coming off of the silent title cards was like uh, like a perfect introduction into the intensity of this movie. Yeah, they got right into it. Um, and before and right, you know, there's something to acknowledge too, like the silent, like very custom Marvel Studios logo. Yeah. Dedicated strictly to the che- the the scenes that uh, Chadwick was in. Yeah. That was a very nice touch. The fact that there was no music, you know, it just got right into into the scene with the uh, Shuri trying to um I guess save him. I don't know about you, but so I saw this in the pack theater opening night. And there were quite a few more tears than I expected there to be in the crowd. Um, again, not that I'm a cold-hearted <laughs> person. It's just that it takes a bit to get me, you know, that emotional. But you, you kind of, like, there was a sniffle here, a sniffle there. And then, you know, you turn around and there's there definitely were people that were feeling the uh, the emotions. And I think Not at this scene, right? In the beginning. Really? I yeah. feel like I got joked up a couple times. Like, one in the middle and one at the end but i feel like the beginning was so fast-paced that it was hard to be like uh, i guess maybe when it, it, the uh, the mom comes in and announces that he's passed yeah that, I, was, I, that was tough i don't know what it was but like yeah the most of my um most of the crowd i saw it with was getting really emotional and i you know i kind of dug it because it kind of you know like i said part of the reason why i go to these uh, movies especially on opening weekend is for the crowd and it's always kind of a mixed bag because sometimes you get a really good crowd and sometimes you don't uh but yeah the, that I, I feel like it was really ex- accented by the by the emotions that we saw or that i saw w- w- within the crowd i was watching it with yeah and i guess that does go back to the maybe it's too soon to recast thought and thought being right that it's kind of picking out like an open wound where you know, we all sort of grieved about it, but now that it's like actually here, the movie's here. It's very fresh to be like to to miss him. Yeah, it's also hard to separate the cultural impact of that first movie to like the the real world implications of what it meant to lose Chadwick as as a not just as a as an actor, but like as a movie star in general. Um, and so I feel like that. We we get into a little bit of dark area here or gray area I feel like um, when it comes to like an actor's death and then the movie right because to some extent you could use that opportunity to further promote and boost your movie the way that like the Dark Knight kind of made things after yeah. Ledger's passing and I feel like it's inevitable to an a degree for sure unless you don't address it at all uh, but I feel like this was the best compromise that they could come up with. Um, Especially with the way that they handled the 
uh, death of the character himself. So it's just it's basically you know we don't get we don't even get told what kind of uh, what kind of disease it was like you like you said. Um, and it sounds like the only way to save King T'Challa's life was through the heart shaped herb, which is gone because of Killmonger burning everything down um, in the first movie. Yeah, which is a repeat theme in this of this heart shaped herb and the coming up with the calculations for it. But uh, so the the Queen Regent takes over, and I feel like the interesting thing is in this is like how careless and carefree these countries are with like searching for vibranium. There's like this new arms race in the world. And like the CIA is having their like that ocean operation and France is like straight up trying to steal from the Wakanda facility. And like they get proven that they're responsible for the theft in the UN and nothing happens. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> leave it to the french well like, i wouldn't have pictured that what are the french trying to do build another eiffel tower or something <laughs> a vibranium one this time <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting because i feel like this is um kind of following suit to what uh the, you know the first movie that was the whole thing it was like this is exactly what was going to happen if you tell the world that you have vibranium yeah, it is. It, they're they exactly predicted it. Like the rest of the world is not ready. Yeah, and I think that they 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 felt like that was obviously that was the time to strike because you know the Black Panther's gone. There's no leadership in Wakanda. Or they kind of take it to mean that that's the case. Can I just say real quick that, that the entire um, almost every scene that Queen Ramonda's in, she absolutely steals the show. And I think Angela Bassett like yeah. really gave it her all here. It's kind of like um it was kind of like watching the <laughs> world cup soccer game earlier today with uh mexico getting eliminated from from the tournament but like she Ooh. came in to play her all <laughs> and you know <laughs> tragically this is the end <laughs> this is the last uh yeah the no one's safe <laughs> yeah <laughs> no she really was crushing it uh she's so powerful and she really commands like the scene when she's in it yeah it's like hiring somebody for like a you know again not to not to kind of diss it but like angela bass i feel like is one of those like a-listers in terms of acting absolutely yeah right and not not to knock the mcu because it's capable of giving us some really good stuff but like an mcu i would never consider like an oscar contender but she came in here like like it was you know like that's what's on the line here well it feels like you know it is like a sports team when it's like your star player is injured or out and everyone else rises up to the occasion because, yeah, Angela Bassett was amazing, but the girl who plays Shuri, I'm blanking on her name, but Letitia Wright, yeah, dude, I would give her an Oscar this year. <laughs> yeah, she's so powerful in this. She had a lot to carry on her shoulders as a performer and also from the character's perspective, right? Because the first movie didn't set her up at all for this yeah. kind of role. And so that's hard to pull off in one movie, right? And I feel like they they really try to... And the, many times I've watched this movie, one of the things that I appreciate the most of it is the way that it balanced out that ensemble cast, where Shuri is the focus, but she's not, like, the overall focus. It's almost like we're kind of... Sp- like, all of these folks are having to kind of shoulder all the um, attention that's now being given to them, right? Absolutely. 
and but 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 I think it's it's a really cool um it's a really cool thing to to kind of transition into Shuri becoming the Black Panther. I I know there's been like some like complaints and stuff uh within the fandom of like whether or not she was worthy of the mantle or how can she do all this without any training and all that. And I'm like I I feel like some of that is like semantics, you know, like you kind of have to suspend your belief a little bit on it, but also. I think narratively it, it it worked and there was no other way to go about this. You know, like I think it would have felt forced if we put M'Baku as a Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because it doesn't make any sense for him to be. You know, I know people like kind of had their theories that he would be it, but like, no, I, I, I thought this was a really, really cool way to do it. Okoye got her chance to shine. You know, Queen Ramonda, like I said, was a scene stealer <laughs> in this movie. Um, a lot more so than she was in the um, in the original movie, I feel like she had her presence, sure, but nothing this emotional or impactful. Yeah, I don't know who else they would want to be the Black Panther. I feel like the ob- the lineage is obvious, right? Like it passes from it within the royal bloodline. Right. So unless you kill her off, you got to find some random character to give it to. I heard a few rumors of like Michael B. Jordan's character. Which would make no sense. Yeah. I think his use in this movie was, you know, perfectly all right. I, I think it worked with him in the ancestral plane. I mean, we'll get there, but uh, I absolutely loved her evolving into the role. It's not like they just gave it to her either. Right. It's some like they they make her earn it through her actions, and then also through her intelligence to be able to manufacture the right to have the herb. Yeah, and her interactions, you know, because we get introduced to Riri Williams, which is, uh, you know, if if done any worse than what she was here, you know, if they hadn't paid any attention to her character all that much, she would have been like the MacGuffin of this movie. But the McPuffin, the McPuffin, yes, <laughs> the McMuffin, the the McMuffin, she 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 would have just been like a little plot point, like a footnote in this movie. And in terms of a role, essentially, yes, that's what that's the role she played, right? But I feel like. The fact that it's, you know, here comes this character that needs to be protected by Riri, or by Riri, sorry, by, by Shuri, um, I feel like does a, a, a narrative service for us to kind of gradually see her embrace that that kind of model that her brother modeled in the first movie, which is, you know, similar to how he saved um, uh, Agent Ross. Mm. In, in a similar vein, it's like, here's... Um, here's her doing something very selfless, you know, because from a practical standpoint, she shouldn't, it would make more sense from a leadership standpoint to not be defending Riri ultimately. Right. Um, But we do see a really nice transition for her going from, um, from like an experience over to like overcoming all these challenges and finally having her take up the mantle at the end. Yeah, I think the Riri character does do two things. I think, number one, what you were saying there, she does this, like, character who's in over her head in a world that she doesn't understand, uh, but can obviously be used in future movies as well, or shows. Uh, And two, I think she serves this, like, the point that the Iron Man tech can come back in some way. It's a formula that can be repeated. Because, like, without this step we're stuck in like iron man 2 thinking where it's like the world can't figure out the technology 
but it's clear that like you know there's some geniuses out there that have the will and and have the uh you know the interest in figuring it out it was also kind of predicted in iron man too when tony was saying like the whole world is like at least 10 or 15 years away from anybody else being able to develop a suit like him hammer tech 20 <laughs> god i love iron man too you know i i have a newfound appreciation for that movie too I've been, it's so good i've been re-watching the iron man movies this week so yeah but great, yeah I, great choice um can i get your thoughts on on riri as a, as a character uh because i feel like she was a character that i um i saw a lot of mixed reactions to her well the problem with like the iron man character is you're you're talking about two characters right you're talking about tony stark and you're talking about iron man he's really both it's like bruce wayne and batman so the same is going to go for riri i i liked her as like a character i i thought her as a young student you know kind of finding her way through college was cool i i liked her as a smart kid her outfit though like the iron man side of her I wasn't big on. It looked like uh, Transformers meets Power Rangers. I agree on the suit. A hundred percent. I agree on the suit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, but, I, you know, she's getting her own Disney Plus show. That was the whole plan from the get-go uh, on Riri. So I, I wasn't expecting us to see her her Mark III, I guess, for lack of a better term, on, on, this, uh, on this movie. That being said, though, yeah, I kind of thought, like, from a design perspective, she could have done better with that, with all that vibranium tech, you know? Yeah, she's in the best lab in the country, or in the world. <laughs> like, the most advanced lab. Yeah. And it comes down to her functions were okay, but the, the style was like, what? <laughs> and it's a bit of a departure from, like, that first suit I thought was fine. Because in, in the in the comics, the way that she's introduced is she has she basically builds a war machine looking armor. Well, not a war. It's like a cross between war machine and the Mark One. That totally well, yeah, it was like a convertible Iron Man outfit. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what she creates in the in the comics first, and then she doesn't she doesn't get a chance to create an Iron Man looking armor until she gets hooked up with Stark Tech. Um. But which you know, I, I think here for the for the sake of fitting her into the story, that that's why I kind of deviated a little bit. I just thought from a design perspective, it was an uh, it was a bold choice uh, for her to go with that. At least she went with the hot rod red at the end. Yeah, I mean that's the only thing I I didn't like about her though. I think she fit into the story fine. I don't think she was too much of a distraction. I thought uh, I thought she's a good presence in this movie. Yeah, I th- I think she served her, her role and her purpose well. Um, and I think I really like the interaction she had with uh, with Okoye and with uh, and with Shuri because I feel like again that kind of s- served to help you know prop up their um, their characters. And I think it, I oh sorry go ahead. It was done I think in the, in a way that they didn't completely devalue her as a character because sometimes you risk doing that like you prop up another character at the at the cost of another. Uh, and I didn't get the sense with with her here. Yeah. Yeah, the thing I don't get about her is like how people like how Namor Namor views her. I don't understand why he's like she has to die. Like uh I think it's proof that like they already have the machine 
they can just build another one. They have the plans for it. Well, I took it to mean that that's what they were coming after her, right? To get her to build another machine because they can't figure it out themselves yet. Wait, why would Namor want to? No, I'm I'm saying the the government, right? Because that's the whole sequence on the bridge. Like it's the the government trying to get a hold of her. They they come after her in the, in the garage, and so that prompts them to leave. Uh, well, wasn't, they... Yeah, it wasn't clear to me why they were why they were involved, other than like there was a fight going on in the. Um... Oh, I, I actually I didn't piece that together. Good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it kind of slipped my my mind too the first time I watched it, and then the second time it, it kind of clicked, and I was like, oh okay, so the government does, because I thought I thought it was weird that um, cause here's the thing on my second viewing, I I pieced two things together that I didn't catch the first. Time. Yeah, one, she wasn't willingly working with the CIA to build that out. It was a project that she did for school that somehow got the attention of uh, the C- the government, and then they took it somehow without her knowing or you know th- that that part i think is still a little shaky for me but clearly she didn't know that she designed something that was then used by the government it's kind of like that story of the i don't know if you've seen this but there was this like preteen genius kid in the early 2000s that um apparently uh had designed some sort of like uh code or some some programming thing that he that he made and it made its way onto like the the fbi got a hold of it and then it was used to coordinate bombings in the middle east and he didn't know about it until a couple years after all this happened uh which that's what kind of like i was um my mind kind of went back to that when when we were looking at this uh riri character here Uh, yeah i know some dark stuff (laughs) But um, but yeah, they were definitely using her. So she that's why they were coming after her there before the bridge fight. Okay. Um, what was the sec? What was the second thing you noticed? Um. Well, the first or thing was that? was was the first thing was that she wasn't willing to to work with the government. Oh, she wasn't willingly working with them. It was more like she unknowingly provided them something. Mm-hmm. And the second one was the government was coming after her. <laughs> oh, that, okay. <laughs> I don't know how that escaped me for a bit. For some reason, I thought the uh, the Atlantean, or sorry, the uh, Telecom uh, people came up no, and they're rid- Atlanteans rode a car over to <laughs> to to her place. But um, yeah, no. In retrospect, I, I had that part wrong. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I still don't get. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, that really, that, like, they have no idea how to replicate it. They were like, yeah, we can always buy another one or get another one. <laughs> so, I guess it, that's not the strongest written part of the plot. But, nonetheless, it does segue us into Namor taking Shuri and Riri to his kingdom. Yes, the uh, Telecom kingdom. Tele Telecom? Telecom, yeah. Tele- okay. Telecom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's where we get like the background on his character and like how he came to be. What were your thoughts on his origin story? Oh, <laughs> um, honestly, so very big departure from the comics, first and foremost. Um, but a welcome one because I think if we if they would have gone with the same origin, we would have essentially gone Aquaman here. 
Mm. Um, and not in a good way, because I feel like, you know, we ever, we already saw the whole Aquaman Atlantean thing. Um, and they kind of, you know, they did their best to give this a spin here. I'm a little biased in terms of like my thoughts on the, on this portion of the movie, because I feel like this is something where I was curious to see how it was going to work. Um, not just as like a comic aficionado, but also like the representation of Mesoamerican indigenous culture here, which I'm always kind of sensitive of only because for the, you know, again, for the most part, it's kind of mocked uh, whenever it gets introduced anywhere. And I feel like this is refreshingly some of the best implementation of of the imagery and all that here. Like nothing here was necessarily put as a comedic bit. You know, nothing here was necessarily slandered in any way. Mm. Um, which was refreshing to see from an entertainment perspective, you know. Um I I I enjoyed Namor. I think he was my favorite part of this movie, <laughs> which um, was hard to beat. You know, Shuri in, in the limelight there, but I think that they they, in terms of like characterization, this is Namor from the comics, just with a different origin. But the substance of who he is and what he is, like, you know, Namor in the comics is a bit of a is a bit of an a hole. <laughs> you know, he's he's very demanding unreasonable and will do anything he can to protect his people and here you here comes a character that's kind of given a little bit more justification for doing that versus the comics the comics it's a superiority kind of thing uh he believes that the atlanteans are superior to the surface people in many many ways but never you're never given any like backstory as to why i mean they can't die sure (laughs) (laughs) but here you get the you know the connection to you know colonialism i guess in 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 the americas um which you know obviously you see the imagery of uh the conquistadors kind of you know massacring the indigenous folks and i think that for me at least it was a welcome little addition there i think the actor did a phenomenal job with it yeah he was great the only other time, the only other notable thing that I've seen with him is uh, Narcos, which he was he was good in also. But um, and I kind of want to touch on the social aspects of him a bit, but I'll leave that for a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I liked it. I, I liked the characterization of, of Namor. Um, his intentions, I think his logic is a little flawed in some in some ways, but I think that's also kind of the the chef's kiss in terms of like looking back at the source material there because uh, he's exactly what I envisioned the live action Namor would be he just happens to be a Mesoamerican versus the white guy in the Speedos <laughs> from, from the comics <laughs> yeah I feel like you have to make these characters extreme now though uh, they just have to constantly get a little bit more you know dug in and entrenched but that's the thing I have a problem with is like you can't this whole phase has just been like, oh, well, I've seen the error of my ways. All right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I've had that problem with all these phase four movies so far. But I think his background story was well told. It didn't feel like it was rushed to tell us. And it was one of those like, you know, show and tell us Um, when you when you mean um, what you call it? Can you elaborate a little bit on what you mean by the 
character needed to be a little bit more entrenched. Yeah, I feel like, well, he's like kind of like an absolutist where like this yeah. girl created it. She has to die. Not like we have to ensure that her secret formula doesn't get out. Uh, he, he's still living in that mindset of yeah, this material is only for our culture. The Wakandans have theirs. And now that they've like shared it with the world, they're our enemies. Yeah. But that kind of... I don't know. I mean, <laughs> from like a comic reader perspective, that's Namor to a T, like unreasonable as as it gets. Um, I mean, we're talking about the same character that like makes alliances with supervillains all the time on there. He's le- he's not a straightforward hero at all. Um, which is it was in line with the character. I get what you I get what you mean though. Um, in terms of like it's 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 a little too like it's almost kind of cartoonish, I guess. Right the the motivation behind it. Oh, no, I don't have, like, a problem with it. The thing I have a problem with is, like, if you create this superior being who literally cannot die, his people cannot die, how is it that we're going to end this movie with them just, like, all right, why don't we just, why don't we all just chill out and just be friends? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the way that I kind of saw it was he kind of got what he wanted at the end because when he was explaining to... um, no, no, he's pretending like he's getting he's getting what he wanted. <laughs> he's spinning it. He's like, don't, don't. He, he, she she did kick my ass, but you see, I won. No, I wanted ass. that. <laughs> I wanted her thinking that she's better than me. <laughs> well, the logic is kind of sound though, in the sense that like he's right in the sense like right now, for example, couple and I've got a couple things to poke holes at here, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a little bit. But we'll get to one here, but um. Riri is a loose end, right? Because if he's fearing that she's going to help the government in some way or get coerced into helping the government, then technically, if we if we look at it from his perspective, then yeah, she has to die. There's no other way to like alleviate it, either that or take her prisoner forever. But um, at the end, when she's allowed to go back to the U.S., um, exactly how are we guaranteeing that <laughs> she's not going to get exploited by the government or something? Like, is, is there Wakandan security on her now or something like that? I think is kind of a little bit of a loose end for the whole plot here. What are you talking about? Our government wouldn't exploit anyone. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I take back everything I just said. <laughs> but that... Yeah, no, that, that part didn't make any sense. I thought they were going to be like, no, we'll just enroll you in our school here. <laughs> You'll be part I, of the this super lab with Shuri. I thought so too, or at least employ her and be like one of those like Wakandan outreach people, right? So you can go yeah. home, but you'll be under our watch kind of thing. But they didn't even get into that at all. But at, at the end, he does get what he wants, though, because ultimately he wanted an alliance with Wakanda so that they could stand firm against them. Because now, not only does the surf, quote unquote surface world doesn't know, they don't know about Talokan or the attack or like who actually. Um, attack that ship there's still you know if we backtrack a little bit um during the movie they they're still blaming the wakandans for that so the surface world is going to go after wakanda and they're going to have no choice but to turn to namor and his people for for help and then that's when you know he here's this dude that really hates the surface world will have reason and justification for attacking and we'll have backup for it now like, that's the mm-hmm. way that I kind of read it. So, like, it made sense, but it took a couple watches for me to be like, okay, I can kind of see how 
um, you know, he essentially does get what he wants at the end. It's just a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it's a win by a loss. Right. It's a tie. Right. It's just like how the Mexican national team ties up every single game. Like, listen, I'm just tired of getting eliminated for the World Cup, man. (laughs) Start cheering for the U.S. Yeah, for real. We're going to go far. (laughs) We got one more round in us. (laughs) My U.S. jersey should be here tomorrow, so I'm good. (laughs) Nice. Um, No, I, I... understood that on the first watch as well that like he he wasn't like hiding it it's just like whether or not you see it the same way or not right there's one thing i do want to touch on a little bit and i'll kind of want to just touch away uh, i want to talk about the social aspects of this movie because i feel like it's hard to separate this one um and a couple years ago when, when the first um black panther movie came out i feel like it was a big you know cultural push for the african-american community and in the united states in particular like i said before like the inclusion of like indigenous mesoamerican culture and all that and like a really big push for like to have this one like very you know noticeably mexican character and mexican actor uh of a darker skin complexion play him i thought was very significant it was hard for me to i think I guess kind of get a, get a, a understanding of the impact to the black community a couple years ago for the first um, Black Panther movie. But I think having grown up a little bit in Mexico and kind of seeing the reaction that this movie has had over there and the casting of this one particular actor in this big of a movie, um, to see the fallout of that, I think has given me some insight into how important and cool this kind of is, uh, which again, mm. It's hard to separate that for me from this to to meet my opinion on this film because uh, not to go on too much of a spiel here, but so you know Mexico itself as a country, over eighty percent of the people are darker skin, mix uh, people that are have like indigenous backgrounds, right? Yet in Mexican media and most Latin American media you don't see them represented in their own media you know like the media that you consume over there is not necessarily that it's it's people of much lighter complexions or uh especially in mexico one one of the bad habits is like people embracing their european side more than anything else Mm. and so this the casting of tenoch huerta into this movie um has kind of highlighted a spotlight of mexican actors of like an indigenous background which has caused a spark of debate over there in the country really and i think it's been a really interesting uh thing to observe because it's kind of like making the society reflect on itself for its own like racism i guess but over there because this is this really bad classism thing that goes on in mexico so to highlight this character of this race of this skin complexion here in the states i think we kind of forget how important the media that we ship out to other places is here because now over there there's talks of like oh well if a darker skin actor can generate help generate that much that much uh money maybe we should have them headline their stuff here in latin america which is a no duh right but <laughs> but it, it's it's cool to kind of see the, that effect and it just it's kind of indescribable you know but i just wanted to point that out because i feel like it's important and it's a really, really cool thing to see because uh, it, it helps kind of break some of the stuff that, you know, some people are not all that aware of. But 
you know, again, again, not to not to sound a little corny and stuff, but like this is, I feel like a demonstration of how important it is to to have that type of uh, representation on this big of a platform. So, you know, it, it's been a cool thing to observe over the last couple of weeks. That's awesome, man. Well said. Yeah, I, I love to hear that. That feels like this inclusion has had a bigger impact with you and and the entire country of Mexico as well. Uh, I haven't been tuned into you know, the headlines or conversations there, um, like you, like, it sounds like you have. So I'd love to hear that. I wish this was like, we weren't in the COVID world of it because I feel like that is hurting it from being an even bigger movie. Like the first movie was what a billion dollars or something like that. Like, yeah, I mean, this one's still by all margins doing very well, but it's, it's not had that same, like it's been sold out every showing for two weeks type of success yeah i'm curious to see if it's going to hit a billion i I feel like it's on track to go over the billion dollar mark but it's gonna you know it better hurry up because (laughs) avatar is on its way and apparently that might uh offset the season here but yeah man it's been cool it's been a really nice little like reaction that i've seen and again it's something that i feel like you know, I don't think it's necessarily talked all that much here in in the mainstream, but you know, observing like and consuming Mexican content from back home, it 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 does like you know, it's in your face all the time, and and I think it's really really cool to to see these discussions happen. Um, and yeah, like I I just want to point that out, and also the other thing, that little Talocan salute. <laughs> I've seen a lot of memes of people being like, it's <laughs> that salute is blending two things that that uh, you know Mexico's well known or like well very well established and it's that's the the mexican love for dragon ball z <laughs> <laughs> and and the actual like um you know in 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 the ruins um like in chichen itza and all that um if you go to the temples uh a lot of these like aztec imagery have people greeting each other in that same manner so we don't really know what it means hmm. uh but apparently like the the folks that consulted with this movie or on this movie, like they paid really close attention to making sure that everything from like the outfits are represented well over to uh, the language and the mannerisms. Like there, there's a rap song in all Mayan in the in the credits, which I thought was really cool because I did, first of all I didn't know I didn't know that, that was Mayan. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Honestly, I just assumed it was a language I didn't understand and it was something else, right? But <laughs> <laughs> but but it was cool. Like it's just. Who would have thought there's Mayan rap out there? First of all, <laughs> yeah, no, I that wasn't even on my radar. But <laughs> I know <laughs> I, I did think the music was top notch for this movie as well. I know, like the first Black Panther, like that soundtrack went, you know, went massive. I feel like this one should, if it if it isn't, like I, I don't know. I thought it was great. That Rihanna song has Oof. been on repeat everywhere I go. <laughs> Although I'll be honest with you, the Kendrick Lamar stuff from the first uh, Black Panther movie, I think is just a little bit better than the soundtrack on this one. But that's just my opinion. I feel like this one was more inclusive in using different languages, though. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, maybe they were either tactical about like how much they were pushing in the last movie. I feel like this one kind of goes like, all right, we can put more African culture into this. And obviously, you know, Mayan and and Aztec and Mexican uh, 
culture, but I feel like they kind of limited themselves in some way in the first movie for fear of like what it will like it, are is the audience ready for it? Yeah, it was like primarily like rap hip hop kind of vibes to most of the soundtrack, but th- it did like you know dip its toe a little bit on there. But you're right, yeah, I, I did notice that there's more like there's more drums, there's more um, like tribal music uh, tones and all that to to the soundtrack this time around. What else should we talk about the name more in Shuri, man? Yeah, I feel a... like that's the big thing left is Shuri obviously completing her heart shaped herb, becoming the Black Panther. Before we get into them fighting, that was like my scene where I was like, I choked up and got goosebumps at the same time when she like drops through the ceiling in the full outfit. Yeah. Yeah. That that whole sequence of like her completing the genome, going to the ancestral plane, and then coming back to like everyone else, like the the council of the Jabari, like man, that whole thing got me. I oddly enough got a little bit teary eyed when Mbaku challenged her to an arm wrestling contest. <laughs> that was so weird though. Like that it, felt out of place. It was, but like to me, it was like, oh damn, here it comes. Like it just reminded me of that dynamic that like he had with uh with T'Challa in the first movie where they went from like enemies to frenemies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is you know he's kind of like the replacement older brother figure in her life now. Which, uh, you know, I thought. Yeah, I, I like his character great. arc for sure. I mean, he hasn't gotten a lot to work with. And I no. keep seeing headlines that, like, he keeps, like, uh, ad libbing or, or just working in his own kind of, like, his own dialogue and actions into the movie. And it's sticking in, in his part of the, like, some of the biggest parts of the movie. Well, I do want to talk about him at the end of this, but let's talk, let's finish up with Shuri and Namor first. Um, yeah, Shuri and Namor, they definitely loved each other. I can totally um, <laughs> vibe off of that. I'm writing a whole fan fiction series about it. <laughs> the way he stabbed her. Oh, yeah. You can totally, there was so much passion in that stabbing, man. Like, you <laughs> can't totally walk away that. from that. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my problems <laughs> with this. When I said I, w- I wanted to poke this movie with some holes, this is one of them, right? The, the hole that was poked in Shuri, first of all, like, she recovered really quickly there. <laughs> like, was that a vibranium spear or was that one of the Talokan spears? Because would it matter though? Because isn't that like the same material? I'm confused about the the Talokan uh, use of uh, vibranium because I kind of thought it was just um, the stuff they drank, and the only reason why their materials are really like rock hard is because they're so down at the bottom of the ocean. Mm, yeah. Uh, Maybe on your fifth or sixth viewing, that'll make more sense. Yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely take my notes this time. But it went clean through. It wasn't like it just like it went all the way through into the rock behind her. Yeah. And then she walks it off like, I'm sorry, didn't Michael B. Jordan's character get stabbed lightly? <laughs> well, maybe she, you know how like in the first movie, they uh, put that bead thing on Ross's wound to like stop the bullet or something from killing him yeah i don't understand what the magic fixes are for these things yeah i don't like vibranium is like i don't know what the rules are here but this is where you go from science to to magic and it's like you can write in whatever you want she had a whole like lion king moment there too with ramanda being like flashing forward to ramanda did she look up at the sky i feel like she did maybe you've seen it more than me it's like that cloud sequence in lion king when um simba speaks to mufasa 
Oh yeah, yeah. Like she got the same treatment, but with Ramondo, and she's like, "Show them who you are." And she's like, "Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah." I liked her struggle of like, do I have more T'Challa in me, or do I have more of uh, Michael B- Killmonger in me? Like, but she's kind of got like a mixture of both. Like she knows the morality of a fight, but she's got the strength that like actually hurt someone that T'Challa might have shied away from yeah she had the wisdom i think to let him live be and also calls back to like the the little um warning that mbaku gives to to the council there earlier in the movie too where he tells him like this guy's not even a king to his people he's a god right you kill them you're risking like generations of war and it's true like in retrospect as much as it hurt her i think she she spared him she her her sparing him was was the right call for yeah, both absolutely. of them. But you can't just become friends at the end and be like, all right, let's stop fighting. Like, no, <laughs> that is so ridiculous. What you telling me you haven't become friends with a person that's killed a beloved family member of yours. And then like you guys embrace and like you go back and you tell both sides of the family to stop fighting. Like that hasn't happened with mm, you. I haven't forgiven them yet. No. <laughs> you're like i'm still plotting my revenge right now <laughs> <laughs> once i get that heart shaper it's over it's over yeah no that that part to me felt a little like cheesy especially at the end where they both write in to, to their people yeah like oh. we discussed his side i get it he views that loss as like it's a long game it just felt too easy if there's something i really gotta admire in the way, right, about how the, the way they treated Namor's character here is the fact that, like, he wasn't BSing anybody. You know, he did give his warning. Oh, like, yeah. Hey, if you don't do this, I'm going to come back and kill you. And he exactly <laughs> did what he said he was going to do, which I'm not used to in these movies, because if they were going to turn him into, like, the sympathetic antihero, I was not expecting him to actually be the cause of death for Queen Ramonda, even if, like, indirectly yeah. he intended to kill her anyway. So it happened. Yeah, that was that was a heartbreaking one. Yeah, which is another thing. Like, is there any redemption in that? Like, I feel like, for, at least for Shuri's eyes, no, right, <laughs> right. Like, but she moves on. She she does, but I feel like that's kind of you know. Again, I feel like that's kind of like a. Uh, it, it's a bold choice, but at the same time, they do give some like perspective as to why she ends up choosing that way. She basically like. You know, and in the mirror to like civil war where she also says that vengeance was consuming her and she's not going to let it anymore mm-hmm. similar to the way that uh you know t'challa did with uh zemo at the end of civil war right almost word for word i think in terms of the the line there but i think it was yeah there were a lot of cool little callbacks like that to to to, to the black panther movie and, and and civil war you know what i was just thinking about that is interesting uh nobody attended T'Challa's funeral in the way that like everyone came out for Tony Stark's. Look yeah. That. that so I think from a from a filmmaker standpoint, right? Like that would have distracted I think from I don't care. Uh, respects were due. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in universe it doesn't make sense. I would have at least expected Bucky to be there just because yeah. you know he had such a you know, they, they literally loaned him a hand. <laughs> Which has been taken, apparently, if you watch the Guardians oh, holiday God. special. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about that, too. No, <laughs> we don't. 
Um, yeah, no, I it was a. I think the the reason they didn't include anybody was because they didn't want any distractions. But in universe, it doesn't make sense, right? Unless they like were keeping all that a secret from everybody. But they announced it and made uh, Ramonda the queen. Well, it could have been like they announced all that to the public after the funeral and after all that's been done. But again, like it's just yeah, in universe, it, it, it's it's weird that they went that route. They should have at least acknowledged through dialogue that somebody sent some sort of like condolences right they sent flowers oh how nice <laughs> <laughs> but also like in retrospect which one of the avengers that he's closest to now is still around Oof. right because captain america's gone bucky's what? the only one that would make sense to clint me. clint I don't think they really got along all that. <laughs> what, just because he said he didn't care? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> no, but yeah, harsh but true. No, everyone's either you're the first one to see all the funerals or you're the last one that no one sees. Yeah. Maybe Oof. Thor or the Guardians, right? But they're off doing their little Christmas special and, you know, Thor Love and Thundering around. And Love and Thundering. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we've definitely gotten long on this one, but I do want to talk just like a second about future of this. Yes. Are we thinking of Black Panther three? Yeah, definitely. I mean, look how much money it's pulling in. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, that's the problem. Like what if the next one's like half of this, just like this is half of the previous one. I'm curious to see what they do with the future here. Because so let, let's talk about the after the credit scene as we're talking about you know the future here because you know it's revealed that uh, Nakia, who by the way was the only person to kill one of uh, one of the Talokans, uh, which yeah still, with like I, a shotgun. <laughs> I I don't understand that at all, man. They established <laughs> that they could like revive from that. Like how how did she die? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Th- th- that's the other hole I wanted to poke in this, but we you know whatever like it is what it is i guess um but it's revealed that uh nakia was uh was pregnant with the child's child mm. um i guess at some point after the first movie um yeah and she had disappeared for six years was it or something like that or she had left wakanda i think that was the the dialogue that was shared there um but yeah apparently we have uh t'challa jr uh, which literally he, he, they named him T'Challa. Also, um, whoa! What if someone who was pregnant blipped? Oh, Could wow, the yeah. baby not get blipped? Also, would the baby's <laughs> birth year be the year that he disappeared and blipped, or when they whoa. come back? <laughs> now we're thinking. Sorry, That's so strange. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I I, I thought that was. Uh, Jokes aside, I thought that was a very powerful ending scene. I mean, yeah. Shuri has her full coming circle, like full circle, like coming to grips with losing family and knowing how to mourn and how to deal with that loss. And then we get, you know, we we gain here. We don't have to lose. We gain uh, a new T'Challa. Yeah, and the new king. Is he technically king? Yeah, the um, firstborn. Oh, yes, that's what I also want to talk about. Yeah, 
So, um, yeah, he just became king because he challenged someone who's not there. Yeah, even though he's the one that tells them she's not coming. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get that part. I, also, if, if if we're going with M'Baku being king, I kind of feel cheated because I feel like Shuri should have been queen. Yeah, maybe they have an interesting dynamic of, like, bring the Jabari back into the fold, which they constantly do anyway in times of need. So yeah. why not give them like some sort of leadership position and then have Shuri be the Black Panther? Yeah, I guess it's a little bit of a compromise there. But little T'Challa, who, by the way, was in the scene when Ramonda goes to to convince Yeah, I thought him. he would look familiar from that. Yep, it's definitely the same kid. I've seen his face four times. So, I know. so she knew about him, right? <laughs> Yeah, she. I think that's what she was trying to tell Shuri before they were interrupted by Namor, or Namor, however you want to pronounce that. Um, Namor. 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 <laughs> yeah, Namor. Yo, they better come out with like the Adidas Namors with the little wing tips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for this. That would be cool. <laughs> um, uh, oh, she was gonna tell her there. I you, yeah. I don't remember that conversation entirely, but that might be true. Right before they get cut off by uh, Nam- Namor, she, uh, she says, there's something about your brother that I need to tell you. And then that's when uh, Namor pops up mm. at the worst times. You know? Yeah. We Mexicans are known for doing that. So, <laughs> 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 But yeah, um, it's a nice little compromise, though, to, to basically promise you know, future T'Challa stories while giving Shuri the spotlight at the moment. Uh, but this gives them the ability to still tell those iconic stories that were essentially shelved with the, you know the passing of Chadwick Boseman, and and this also mm-hmm. gives you a way to keep the T'Challa character, but also honor the T'Challa character, and not technically do a recast. Um, right. Thin thread there, but I I feel like I I like it. I don't have any issues with it. I don't um, have any issues with that. I just don't see like a logical progression for a third movie um it feels very disjointed but that being said that's been done before and done well like look at thor i mean they rebooted the thing in a total 180 from what they were doing previously so there's nothing in the rules that say you have to like it has to be linear progression well, there's a couple routes they can go with the future, too, because the Namor-T'Challa rivalry is still to be explored. Um, they have the... Also, they... And here, here's one, I think, annoying aspect of this movie that I want to kind of catch your thoughts on, too. The Allegra Valentina, Valentina whatever, the Fontaine Contessa chick that that was... Uh, Val. Intrig- yeah, Val. There, that, <laughs> that girl. Um, so... She was in this movie, like, what, for, like, a minute or two? Like, in, ter- in terms of total screen time? Yeah. And the only reason for her to be in there is to prop up the whole Thunderbolts movie that they announced. Which, I guess, is now going to involve, like, a war for Vibranium. Because that's the only direction I can think of for, like, a Black Panther 3. Mm. You know, because she she makes it, like, known that she wants the Vibranium for the U.S., right? So, she's forming that Thunderbolts team... And then they gave us the roster of it at, at uh, the Disney investors thing a couple months ago. But and she's going to be leading that team. So 
I I mean, I don't know how to feel about that because if they're giving the Thunderbolts their own movie and it's going to be about, you know, stealing vibranium and all that, then okay, cool. But how does that tie into Black Panther 3? Or is that going to tie into Black Panther 3? I feel like it should, but I don't know. There's just too much with that right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I thought if there was going to be any sort of, like, war... Because there's definitely going to be, like, a conflict for Vibranium in the future. They, they set the stage for that, right? I just don't know if they're going to tell that in Black Panther 3, in the Thunderbolts, or in this Ironheart Riri Williams Disney Plus show. Or are we in for a very long ride, which is going to be that conflict told in several different parts? Or is it, yeah, just one of these things that they op- opened up and will never close the loop on i think it just feels that way because we've been in this phase for a lot more projects than we're normally used to so the follow-up is taking longer because of the number of projects but not the number of years i feel like there was threads that were opened in other movies like in earlier phases that just never came to be like don't ask me that on the spot i need time (laughs) i need prep time um yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that that could be right. I feel like that's... I got to rewatch all the after credit scenes because I feel like there were some that I was always like, when are we going to get to that? <laughs> the Trevor thing when he was kidnapped from prison, like that took a long time to give any sort of uh, payoff to until we until uh, Shang-Chi came out, which, by the way, Shang-Chi, too. There's just a lot. <laughs> there's a lot going on right now that I'm. You know, I'm curious to see how they're going to tie it out. I hope they do. I'm glad that they're taking a little bit of a step back and reducing the number of projects that they're coming out with in the future because I feel like that finesse and, you know, thread weaving has been vitally missing in this phase of movies and TV shows. Is this a big enough thread, though, to make you care? What? Because I don't see the thing right now. No, not not Val. I feel like the stage for Val, like the Thunderbolts movie, is it going to be good or not? I feel like none. Of, I have no necessary like hype for it. Um, they, well, I do have one thing that I'm interested in is the fact that they uh, cast Harrison Ford to replace um, uh, the the actor for Thunderbolt Ross just because he passed away um, at the end of last year. So if you're getting a big name like Harrison Ford, like I would love to see what the heck he does with with that role in the next movie. Like that I'm looking forward to, but I don't know. It's just like I feel like there's little things in each project that I'm looking forward to, but there's no like big thing like like Thanos or that kind of thing. Besides Kang, I guess, because Kang is the definite uh, thread that I want pulled and unraveled a little bit more. Yeah, that Kang's not happening for a little bit. Yeah, I guess Ant-Man 3 will give us some of that. Right. I, I, I don't know. There's just there's a lot of pieces on the board right now. And I've I am invested. It's just that I'm not quite as invested as I was before. And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing on my part. All right. How about these two post credits? The one from Doctor Strange one when Mordo says the bill comes due to that guy who was paralyzed. Never came up again. Um, It did, actually. No. Yeah. No, the Mordo we got later on was from a different universe. No, he. Well, we have that uh, Disney Plus special, remember? The um, the Mordo we look at life. 
you know, when he mm-hmm. helps the little crippled guy and they go on this whole like heart wrenching adventure about finding your family. This a cartoon you drew? It's an 18 page novel, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then what about the uh, scorpion talking to what's his name? Michael Keaton in Homecoming? Yeah, that I have <laughs> no Sinister Six. Oh man, that Boom, that's just two. That's just two, and I just thought of those on my own. I didn't have to Google no sure. un- unanswered <laughs> post credits. Uh yeah, I don't know. I don't want I don't think I care for Black Panther three. I think Damn. this was a way to like if we we had to do a black Black Panther two. You can't just not follow up one of the most successful Marvel projects, but I think this is proving that it's like it's a great way to keep expanding the universe and to build inclusion, but I don't know. It's just it's losing the interest appeal because they have to keep going bigger, and they go with these invisible, like invincible foes. Who the only way to beat them is the same thing as the rest of Phase Four, the same thing as Wanda, where it's like, oh, I see, I see the error of my ways. I'll join you. I mean, my, I don't necessarily view it that way, just because I feel like there's several ways that they can take Black Panther three. But like, if we're talking about like a thread that goes from this movie to the next one, and that's what builds out the thing, then I, you know, I think there's limited view there. That being said, there's so many stories that they still can pull from. And there's characters that are rich with those kinds of stories. Like like the Spider-Man movies don't necessarily bleed in one into the other all that much. The you know, what the if you go from like uh Spider-Man Homecoming to No Way Home, there's no thread line in Homecoming that leads you directly into No Way Home. Or sorry, I forget their name. Yeah, Far From Home. There's so many homes in those titles. Too many homes. Yeah. Uh, so I disagree on Civil that. War. No, but that that led to Homecoming. From Homecoming to Far From Home, like the one big tie-out thing was Endgame, but that wasn't built upon at all in Homecoming. It was just something we knew was coming, you know. Like it wasn't. I think if we're talking about like a in-universe thing, like where things need to tie in to set up the next movie, then you're right. There's no clear direction for where Black Panther three comes from, but I think part of the appeal of, of the 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 better the better quality projects out of the MCU are the ones where they're pulling from you know stories from the source material and tying them into something that happens in in universe. Well, that's what you could do. You could just start putting Shuri into these team up type movies, and which then, is probably going to happen. Yeah, create a character that people can really rally behind, and then give her Black Panther three with whatever conflict you have to give um, to write it. But I think there has to be more attachment built in through visibility in other, in other movies. Yeah. I honestly, I feel like part of the reason why we feel a little fatigued with Marvel at the moment is because of the lack of, or seeming lack of vision in terms of what's tying all these projects together. Yeah, because that's the expectation. Because you're used to that from phase one, two, and three. I think phase four was a very big departure from that formula. And I'm not necessarily again. I'm not necessarily sure that it's a negative thing that we've departed from that. I think it is for like the average viewer, right? That like 
you want to have a comeback and you know come back for black panther 3 come back for thunderbolts come back for all these <laughs> you know but i think from at least from my perspective it's like well i don't necessarily need to be all that hyped for these movies you know like i'm i'm, I'm gonna watch them if they seem interesting to me when the yeah. preview comes out right but yeah I'm not, you know, and again, this is uncharted territory for us with Marvel because we're used to like, oh, Thanos is coming. And then two movies later, it's like, he's still coming, guys. Don't worry. And then like six movies later, he's like, all right, he's almost here. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just I feel like because we're getting so many projects, we're expecting more threads to be weaved through there. And I think the threads are coming. It's just that we're getting bombarded with so many things that it feels like it's been such a long time when it's really only been two or three years. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's constantly new things. It's not yeah. like we're repeating any characters. Yeah. Uh, which is why it feels so fatiguing because it's, we, we can't attach to anyone. We're yeah. constantly meeting new people. Right. And I think some of us will get attached to, to some of the new folks and others won't, right? Because I feel like yeah. each one is going to be its own like experience. Like I'll never get attached to anybody as much as I got attached to like Tony Stark's you know, or Steve Rogers of this era. Um, because that was like our first intro, right? But like the kids that are growing up right now, like some of them are like looking at this and like Kamala Khan is her, their entry point into it or Moon Knight. But, but they've only seen them once. Right. Like so we, we saw Tony three times in his own movies before. Well, three times two then avengers then one more but you know what i mean like we saw him like four or five times in the first 10 movies they're seeing these actors and actresses once right so far because i feel like, like that's the thing like we're you're kind of starting from scratch in this in in the way with some of these like there, there's characters that i feel like are definitely going to tie into something and then there's other characters that i'm kind of left scratching my head as to how they're going to fit like, out of all the new stuff in the Phase 4 uh, projects, right, like, I'm looking forward to follow up with Miss Marvel. Um, I don't care about Captain Marvel, right? But, like, I, I do care <laughs> about Miss Marvel, so I'm going to watch no Captain Marvel. <laughs> She's been a hard sell for a long time, and I feel like that's not stopping anytime soon. But but I did like Miss Marvel. I, I Yeah. I liked Moon Knight. Up until the end, but I'm still not sure how he fits into anything. So, but, but like, if they give me a high quality thing in the future, sure, I'll tune into it, but I'm not going to be like at the edge of my seat waiting for it. Um, I'm forever like ingrained with the whole Spider Man world because there's so many stories that they still haven't told yet from a comic perspective. So, if they come out later and be like, hey, I'm going to, we're going to do Craven's Last Hunt or we're going to do, I don't know, the Scorp, the first Scorpion story, then cool, I'm in. But yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just, for me, it feels like I'm fatigued because we get bombarded so much. I'm not so much fatigued that they're coming out. It's just more so like, I I hope that some of those projects are as top quality as what we're used to. Uh, but I'm okay with some things being mediocre just because I feel like um, it's just kind of like you're getting a lot of variety now. You know, and like, I'm not necessarily like all that receptive of She-Hulk, right? But it's got its audience and those people seem to like it. So great. <laughs> you know? No, I absolutely agree that like having variety is not a bad thing. It's just, there's no repetition of the obvious home run hitters. Like yeah. there was with 
Iron Man and Captain America and Thor. Like, you can't build a trio like that if you're not willing to be like, all right, we're going to go ahead and plug Shuri into the next two or three projects here and there so that people start seeing her a lot more. And then we can, when it comes time to her independent movie, it's going to dominate. And when it comes time to, you know, fighting Kang, people want her there. Yeah. Well, that's missing in general, I feel like, right? Because of that through line, at least for like the first couple phases, it was like, no matter what new character gets introduced, you're always like, oh, this was cool, but I can't wait to see what Iron Man's up to, you know, or I can't wait to see what Captain America's up to. And it's just like, nobody is necessarily the focus right now in the MCU. Right. right? And I feel like it feels a little disorienting as a result. Yeah. And on that cheery outlook, why don't we get out of the booth, man? This is one of our longer reps in a while. Yeah. <laughs> this will be fun to put together. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think you go enjoy it one more time. I might I might get one more in, but I'll I'll probably wait till Disney Plus. I'm gonna go and then my next trip back to Mexico, I'm just gonna greet everybody with the telecon salute. Nice. And, uh, yeah, let's see how that <laughs> let's see how that goes. Good luck with that. <laughs> and on that note, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.